they use those kinds of words. But misinformation is anything that, that contradicts what they believe. So the only thing you're allowed to believe and the only choice you're allowed to make is the choice that they're telling you to make. But they just, they use the words in this incredibly scary way. Yeah, Orwellian way, yeah. It is scary. It's the embodiment of 1984. Heroes Behind Headlines with Ralph Pizzullo. Welcome to Heroes Behind Headlines. I'm your host, Ralph Pizzullo. Our guests today are publisher Tony Lyons and activist Sophia Karstens, who are here to talk about the important and timely subject of censorship in the United States. Tony Lyons is the president of Skyhorse Publishing, one of the fastest growing independent book publishers in the U.S. Launched in September 2006, Skyhorse has had 56 New York Times bestsellers and has over 9,500 titles in print. Sophia Karstens worked closely with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on his latest book and collaborates with Children's Health Defense. Today, they're going to talk about all of the institutional roadblocks they face in publishing and marketing Robert F. Kennedy's breakaway bestselling book, The Real Anthony Fauci. To be completely transparent, back in 2012, Skyhorse published a book I co-wrote with former Navy SEAL Team 6 member Don Mann called the U.S. Navy Survival Handbook. It's my great honor to welcome Tony Lyons and Sophia Karstens as today's Heroes Behind the Headlines. Well, thank you both so much for doing this. I'm uh, very excited. Uh, to introduce Sophia Karstens and Tony Lyons, who have been at the front lines of one of the greatest free speech censorship fights of our time over a book called The Real Anthony Fauci by Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which ironically has been the breakaway bestseller of this year. So let's get into it. If you would please both tell us a little bit about how you got involved in this, in this battle. Sophia, you want to start? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I got involved in this battle, uh, interestingly, through a different conduit. Um, so I'll get to that in a second. But um, my background in, in terms of how I got here uh, is that I worked with uh, Bobby Kennedy and Tony Lyons uh, closely to try to get this book together and get it out. And um, it was a pretty astonishing uh, wall. Uh, to come up against the machine, ma plural machines, yeah. plural. Um, and uh, so it was like, all right, I guess we're just picking up a sword and a shield and moving forward with this. So that's kind of how I got here. How, how I got into this fight to begin with uh, is really um, having gone up against the orthodoxy uh, because my mother uh, was diagnosed with Lyme disease. Um, she was first not diagnosed with lung disease. And then uh, that battle, 10 years of that battle took me into learning. Uh, that was one piece of a very big puzzle. Uh, so that's how I, I kind of came into this fight and uh, ended up working with Bobby Kennedy and then ended up working with Tony and here we are. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Tony? Yeah, I've been in the publishing field for about 25 years published thousands of books under uh, 18 different imprints at Skyhorse Publishing. Um, so many of those books wound up being controversial. It kind of happened gradually. Um, but I got more and more involved in protecting freedom of speech and, and in the subtleties of, of what books are and why they need to be protected. So the mm -hmm. some of the current thoughts are that uh, we need to be protected from people who are bad people or who might be saying things that are controversial or painful for some corporation or contradict the government. And more and more, 
it's become okay to just sort of cancel all of those kinds of books. And most of the big publishers are doing that sort of thing. Yes. So I've made it my mission to counteract that. Fantastic. How did you get involved with this book? You had worked with uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr. before, is that correct? Yeah, I had heard Bobby speak multiple times and was always very impressed with him and know all about his his history and his career and all the lawsuits that he's brought to, you know, counteract corruption in government and greed in corporate mm-hmm. America as far as polluting the Hudson River, uh, hurting people with, you know, Monsanto's glyphosate and, right. and all these different things that he's fought against over many, many years. And, and I share many of those, you know, values that went into his decision to forego personal gain and, and things that were good for him in his personal life uh, for the greater good or for some sense of, of purpose and of righting wrongs that he sees mm-hmm. uh, in this world. Mm-hmm. And when did you both first hear about this book and get involved with this book? I heard about it uh, through Bobby. We had been talking about it and Bobby had talked about early on uh, the desire to legally go after individuals, corrupt individuals uh, during this pandemic. Mm-hmm. They're the individuals listed on the cover of the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, Bobby is an attorney, so the, yeah. he, that's the way that he thinks. Right. Um, and in putting together all the information uh, to be able to have a case, should it ever become relevant. Right. Um, he realized I also have this Im- incredible tome of a book that is an indictment of these individuals and their tie, their funding ties, the financial entanglements, um, all the related corporatocracy and everything that's involved and the corruption therein. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little tricky in the legal system. You you can't actually go after um, a government agency or a government uh, official under RICO. So uh, that leaves fraud or other, you know, charges, but uh, racketeering is not one of those options. So instead, uh, to lay out the book in a in a in the organization the way that you would in a in a courtroom mm-hmm. was sort of the inception of that and um when uh tony and i got thrown together <laughs> uh i think it was a, a on a day bobby was like oh call because we started coming up against some interesting issues early on um i believe the first one was a paper shortage and the second one was a printer shortage and the last one was a delivery problem um all of which pretty quickly we were able to determine were manufactured issues mm-hmm. but um but i said well you know what actually i've got some friends who might be able to uh provide a solution to the first one which was the paper shortage mm-hmm. um and bobby said great i think he was busy doing something so he just texted me call this is tony call tony yeah. So I called, I called uh-huh. Tony, who basically was like, wait, who are you? And what are you? Yeah. Why are you calling me? Hold on. I got to call you back. And I know in that five minutes, he was calling Bobby to be like, why is this random girl calling me to talk about a paper shortage? So then he called me back. He's like, okay, so yeah, let's talk. Uh, and then since then, we've become best friends. <laughs> it's like, so I assume that this case or research that Bobby had been putting together preceded the pandemic. So he had been working on this before in different capacities. Okay. You know, it wasn't specific to this. Um, Bobby has been involved in uh, the history of our government agencies, financial entanglements and corruption therein, mm-hmm. um, whether that's EPA mm-hmm. or whether that's our health agencies um, and those Aside from everybody knows, you know, that these government agencies are funded by the very industry they're charged with regulating, which right away puts a a, a pretty interesting yep. closed loop snake eating its tail. Big problem. Right. To that equation. But also, you know, there are individuals that these are players who keep cropping up decade after decade after decade, and they're playing in the same sandbox with the same individuals. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Tony Fauci five decades ago 
was working with and affiliated with some of the individuals who are cropping up today. You know, he was in bed with Jeremy Farrar at the Wellcome Trust 20 years ago. Um, some of these drug drug companies are the same drug companies. Gilead keeps making an appearance. So when you get into these histories, you know, it's really important if you're if you're putting together, you know, a legal viable case to be able to have you have to chase these things down all the way to the end. So Bobby had been putting this together the same way he did for the Monsanto case, the same way he does for for everything, the same way he did for DuPont, every, everything. Right. Um, and it's and that takes years yeah. um, to specifically shoehorn it into what happened with the pandemic. You know, we, we sort of knew this was coming. We didn't know specifically when we didn't say like on this date, we're not, you know, Nostradamus, although lately right. kind of we are, but um, you know, no one said, no one was psychic and said, you know, this is what's going to happen. But certainly there was prescience in like, you know, this is, this is, this is where they're headed with this. We know what, the, we know what their ultimate end goal is. We know what their end game is. We know how they're doing it. And how they're, how they're associated with one another. Right. Yeah. And how they're, so all of those, you know, key points on this web, um, Bobby had been putting together and then this happened and it was like, oh, this goes here. Right. So it kind of came together naturally. Um, and uh, and he really, you know, he has such a depth and breadth of knowledge uh, and also the ex access to the individuals who were at the forefront, were the spear tip of, of each dot <laughs> as I like to say, mm -hmm. we're not in the business of connecting dots. We're just in the business of pointing them out. Right. Um, you know, but there were individuals, you know, who were at the forefront at the, at the time um, that Bobby has been in communication with for a long time. And, it, and it's it's relevant to other situations that he's been involved in. You know, the Thimerosal book that he put out, which was also <laughs> censored and slaughtered yeah. and everything else. Um, not based on the merits of the book, but it was a you know ad hominem personal attack, just like they're doing now. Um, a lot of the information that's there is relevant to what's happening now. So you know, being able to get involved with individuals who were NIH or CDC individuals at the time, who were whistleblowers, who were pharmaceutical whistleblowers, things like that. You know, he had all of that at his fingertips, so he was able to really do a deep dive. And the book. You know, really, I mean, we could have written 22 encyclopedic volumes. We didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, he has so much uh, information, which yes. is why there's another one coming out soon. Okay. That's sort of like the information that didn't make it into the first one is being expanded into a whole second book because it just there's there is so much information out there. There's no way to soundbite this. It's it's really a vast web so Tony, you get involved. You hear about this manuscript that I guess you're preparing, like you do any book, you know, that you're about to publish, and suddenly, strange things crop up. Sure. Just to go back a little bit, so we we published Bobby Kennedy's book by Marisol, "Let the Science Speak." I believe that was in 2014, mm -hmm. and and that was kind of my first sort of vision of what this playbook of censoring a book uh, that has to do with science could be. So when the book first came out, we were kind of rushing it out to, to meet the uh, due date, which is sort of an ongoing problem. And we didn't send out any pre-publication copies. We were told that we couldn't advertise for it in certain places, uh, but we were able to place one big ad for it. But then just as the book came out, the same kind of thing happened. It was not nearly as comprehensive, mm -hmm. but they were hit, hit pieces written against Robert F. Kennedy Jr. They wouldn't let you advertise for it in most places. Like I said, the book wasn't carried by anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, so bookstores weren't carrying it. I mean, it was really hard to get it out. And I was, I was kind of stunned by it because here's a book that is, you know, it, it had a forward by somebody who was a, a professor at Harvard, had an afterward by a really prominent doctor. And it was basically an analysis of something like 500 uh, peer-reviewed studies mm -hmm. that showed all of the dangers of 
uh, mercury in uh, mandatory early childhood vaccines or, you know, in the uh, flu vaccine. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was such an important book and so well researched and there was no comment from the media. So we sent out a ton of copies. Nobody said a word wow. about it. They just attacked Bobby. So then you fast forward, you know, to last fall and, and, and the book is just kind of ramping up and, and we see hit piece after hit piece against Robert F. Kennedy Jr. in magazines, yeah. newspapers, I saw some little, of those, little yeah. comments in various others, other stories. And you have to look at that timing and recognize. So anytime somebody sees a, a, a major hit piece in the New York Times, for example, or in the AP, you know, they ought to think about why is this being done? Why right. is it being done specifically now? And yeah. is it part of some kind of larger playbook or, or is it news? So if it was news, there would have to be some kind of new information. And if you look at all of these hit pieces that, that came out, there was nothing new in them. And they all basically mirrored each other as if somebody was sent a press release and told what to do. And then they just sort of personalized it. Right. And most of it was personal information. It really had nothing to do with the, with the subject of the book, correct? Sure, and that's another big sort of part of my uh, mission, which is to try to undo what's being done now, which is to try to separate authors from the content of the book. So, you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, in this case, I don't, you know, there's no justification for it, but it's okay to not like an author for whatever reason. Sure. But still look at the ideas that are presented. Yeah. And it's not okay to write a personal a, a, attack in all the major newspapers and on TV shows and on you know all kinds of platforms when what you're really doing is trying to undermine the credibility of a book. So what you need to do is you need to look at the actual arguments in the book, the actual things that are described, right. and come up with a counter argument. Right. That's what's supposed to happen in a in a democratic country, not in a fascist country mm -hmm. where, you know, you attack ideas, not not people, not. Right. not you know, you don't speak in generalities. Yeah. And you have to understand that this is a very easy way for people who want to block certain ideas to 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 do that. Right. You just attack the person, make all kinds of charges and therefore uh, don't don't read their book. Don't don't listen to what they have to say. Right. And, and you kind of like ignore every good thing that that person's done. So, right. you know, you don't talk about the 500 lawsuits that the person's brought uh, on behalf of the general public with no benefit to himself. Yeah. You just try to focus in on something you can nail a person on. Right. And, and that's exactly what happened here. And it's amazing that it was effective because he is such a such a good guy, such a hero to, to, to so many people and uh, to just attack him on personal things and to think that that worked uh, to a certain extent is, is kind of scary. Cancel Playbook 101. And it's, uh, it's interesting because, you know, context creating is the oldest uh, trick in the book. Mm -hmm. uh, literally in the book. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is written out in, uh, in the CIA handbook. Mm -hmm. um, you know, by a person called David Atlee Phillips, um, who died in 1988, but he was the director of the CIA and he wrote the portion of the CIA manual of how to, um, how to get a functioning democratic society to willingly relinquish all of its rights to a totalitarian regime. Mm -hmm. And it's what worked in South America. And, and, you know, there, there are a lot of points along the model, uh, in which we find ourselves, but the one that you just mentioned is is critical and that is context creating mm -hmm. you know we did it with noriega we've done it with world world leaders you know and and yeah saddam hussein was our friend and then he was not our friend there's always a dichotomy as to who's a hero and who's a villain and right. then you get the warring factions arguing about that Mr. Strawman makes an appearance and no one's paying attention to what's happening over here. So that that's really mm -hmm. part of the model. And that's, you know, it's it should alarm every American mm -hmm. to really look at 
what's being done right now. We're not talking about censoring, um, you know, explicit lyrics in a rap song. We're talking about which even then, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but right. what you're what you're doing and why this is truly criminal um, is you are removing the informed consent. You're you're removing the informed part of the informed consent debate. Well, yeah, you're blocking basically the information without informed. It's not consent. So people can take the information and do whatever they want with it. But if they if you're not allowed to have it then you have a problem. That's criminal. And that's, and it's also, you know, what we have because of the way that the control over the dissemination of information is happening. Um, what we have is a government who is blatantly saying with seemingly impunity, uh, we are working with platforms and corporations to censor and control civilians. And there's a word for that. Yeah. <laughs> and we're in it. Yeah. We're in it. There's no more, well, we want to prevent the country from sliding into fascism. Hate to tell you guys, we're already here. And they're admitting it. They're yeah. not even, they're bold about it. So that should really alarm everybody. You know, life is mitigation of risk. And um, we all we all take on that equation uh, to the best of our ability. What's a risk for me may not be a risk for you. And further, what's a risk I'm willing to take may not be a risk you're willing to take. Right. Um, and those factors, there, there's a million variables and factors that enter into that, my own personal medical history, my own personal history, any number of things. But I, having access to all of the information, am able to make those determinations. Yes. And when you remove that, from a person's sphere, that is criminal. Right. Tony, uh, you are in the media business, so you must have known, you must have had relationships with a lot of these people who were not publicizing your books, this book. What was that like for you? Yeah, well, so let me just go to, to what, I, what I think is the, the second stage. Yeah. So, so this, this book is, you know, is pretty widely publicized prior to publication. It was postponed multiple times. So people kept thinking it was about to, to come out. Mm -hmm. So, so they ran that whole series of, of hit pieces, you know, for example, there was the, the AP hit piece with, that had six investigative journalists on it, uh -huh. you know, no, nobody to investigate any of the claims in the book, yeah. but, but just to kind of narrow, you know, narrowly zero in on anything Poppy could have done. So then step number two, is this sort of comprehensive program to convince the public that Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is purveying a kind of dangerous misinformation or disinformation. So that then gets quoted in a thousand different places. It comes up in story after story. Mm -hmm. It's designed to sort of uh, begin the process of creating blind faith to authority during this period. What this man has to say is dangerous, so, so stay away from it. But, but, but also sort of in the process of trying to get away from any confusion so that mm -hmm. everybody gets the exact same story and there's no other story. So you get this kind of manufactured consensus by stripping away everything else. So part of it is to then use words. So you start off with the disinformation doesn't. Nobody asks, where, where that came from. So that, that comes from this uh, tiny little nonprofit that's uh, created by somebody who's not an expert in anything. Yeah. Um, and they put a whole bunch of people on there. Some of them don't, don't make any, any sense at all. They just clearly like the way it sounds. Yeah. So disinformation, even though what they're claiming in it isn't even disinformation, it's misinformation. Yeah. You know, but they create this and they use these words as a tool and it's it's something people can remember. It's like build that wall. There's yeah. a disinformation doesn't. Right. Then then they start throwing, you know, words like conspiracy theory. So mm -hmm. anything that, that you disagree with, any narrative that questions, for example, Dr. Fauci is a conspiracy theory. Um and it's and it's probably a really right wing conspiracy theory that suddenly Robert F Kennedy Jr. is switch side is a is a, a right wing <laughs> conservative trying right. to hurt you in some way right. by giving you information 
you know, that he's not making any money on, that there's no motivation for, but he somehow got it into his head to mislead the American public. And then they come up with this great concept of misinformation, which they really, you know, double and triple down on. And right around the time the book is coming out, they come out with this. Mm. So this is a is a fascinating document. So this is a 22-page document on confronting health disinformation that comes out from the Surgeon General, has a lot of people working on it. And in the sort of preamble to it, they talk all about how how dangerous confusion is. Confusion mm -hmm. and uncertainty. And what's in the back of their minds is hesitancy. Yeah. That they want people not to question anything. Yeah. They want every decision to be clear. So what this is, is it's a it's a 22-page diatribe on on the methods for making sure that there's no dissent whatsoever in this country. So there's really no part of this that's devoted towards any definition of what misinformation is. It's referred right. to as dangerous, as something that we have to fight. It, it talks about things like our civic duty to fight wow. misinformation yeah. that we can't define. Right. And you know how there are all these terrible people out there and we all have to get together and root them out. Mm -hmm. So the only message that you kind of come away with is that misinformation is anything that contradicts any public health official, any government official making a statement, anything other than that. So there's no discussion. Right. You know, Dr. Fauci comes out at right around the same time. He says, I am science. I represent science. If you disagree with me, I don't take it personally because you're not really disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with science, with truth. Right. And truth kind of becomes one of those words too. Yeah. Truth, misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, all these things that are that are just kind of evil and wrong. And what we want you to do is believe in a in a monolithic kind of system where somebody's going to get on television and Dr. Fauci's going to tell you what to do. Yeah. He may change his mind, he may disagree with himself, but nobody else can. Right. So that's sort of step two in the playbook. Mm -hmm. And it was so comprehensive. So this 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 um, Surgeon General periodical. When did that come out? Uh, it came out in uh, November of 2021. So okay. right around the time that, that. Right at the same time the book came out. Yeah, yeah. So, but it but it talks through all of the different steps that they're going to take, and the yeah. steps are all the worst things that you wouldn't want your government to do. Right. So what they say is that they are going to reach out to cities, state federal uh and get everybody in kind of lockstep so that everybody has the same messaging they talk about how important messaging is so they're not talking at all through the issue of of science or how you get to better science or how you get real information or how you follow real science right they're just saying we have to establish a message and then use all of these methods to get it out there and stifle anything else so they talk about sending people out to talk to big tech companies about how to get rid of misinformation from every big tech company. And what they really mean is that they're going to use all the big tech companies to make sure that anybody who disagrees with them is taken down automatically. So not by a person, yeah. but by a bot. And they even talk about in, in multiple places in this document, they talk about product features that the big tech companies have. And they're talking about um, using likes as a way to um, de-emphasize. That's right. another word that they use yeah. as a way to de-emphasize points of view that they disagree with. So for example, Bobby Kennedy's book in the first couple of months had one really beautiful first review that had 7,500 likes and it was number one. Yeah. So what they did as a strategy there is they took the likes off all of the positive reviews. So there were, you know, now more than 20,000 and they're, you know, about 98% four or five star. Yeah. So what they did was they took the likes off the, the positive ones and left the likes on the, on the one star and the two star. 
Yeah. So even though there's so few of those, those are amplified. Right. And they specifically discuss that in this document. Yeah. So they're doing all of these different things to try to make sure that people can't find the book. So then, then they also put a box on the top of it that uh, reroutes people to the CDC website from Bobby's book so that, <laughs> you know, at the top before, so you could easily accidentally click and get to the CDC website yeah. rather than get to Bobby's book. Then, then they don't let you advertise for it. Yeah. And they play this game with the algorithm where the book is never recommended. Hmm. So if you, you know, have a book, this is a book that's now sold more than a million copies. Mm -hmm. So I have books now that are coming out that have sold 10,000 or 20,000 copies, and they're recommended routinely to people who have bought any book in a similar category. Right. With Bobby Kennedy's book, it's never recommended to anybody under any circumstance. So they don't let you do any of their advertising pro programs for it. They redirect you to their own information. You know, so every step of the process is what they call, you know, sort of made more sticky so right. that it's it's harder to, to get to. And all yep. of these methods are described in this periodical. Wow. So, you know, that that's so that's the playbook. Yeah. And then it just goes it, it, it goes on and on. It, it gets worse and worse. So yeah. So they play games with the bestseller list. It was when it first came out in the first week, it was the best-selling book in the United States, hardcover nonfiction. Mm -hmm. So the New York Times made it number five and they made their own book, which was 1619 Project that was written by a New York Times writer that was funded by the New York Times. And they, they just pushed it down the list. Yeah. And when I asked them why they came up with all kinds of absolutely implausible reasons for it yeah. uh, but basically they're just using their bestseller list as a recommended reading list yeah and and they're playing with this Fauci uh sort of playbook of they're going to de-emphasize them mm -hmm. so then the times refused an advertisement that we tried to place with them and many other places wouldn't take advertising why what what was the reason that they gave in in the end they said uh, uh, after going through all of the issues, because the, the ad said Dr. Fauci had lied. Mm -hmm. So I then sent them uh, links to dozens of, of major uh, newspapers, magazines, websites that had uh, were quoted as, you know, saying uh, that, that Fauci had lied, you know, in, in this, this or that case. Right. Then I pointed them towards two cases where the New York Times itself had said that Dr. Fauci lied, yeah. used that, that Three, three words. Yeah. Um, so we went, you know, back and forth. And, uh, and in the end, it was so clear that they had no argument there. Uh, but there were there were many other points. But in, in, in the end, after lots of back and forth with them, they sent a letter saying that they're a private company, and they had made the decision not to run the ad. Wow. So, you know, so many different places. So you couldn't advertise for it on any big tech platform. Yeah. In the in the first week, even though it had outsold any other book in its category in the country, it, it, it didn't even make the Wall Street Journal bestseller list, it didn't make USA Today, it didn't make the uh, um, Pub Publishers Weekly bestseller list. So it was sort of, you know, there were so many different levels. So, so comprehensive. Yeah. All the way down to bookstores, you know, we would um, they they would flat out lie to customers and just say <clears throat> they're not carrying the book, even though yeah. they they were. Yeah. Or they would say, oh, we're out. Uh, we we don't have any. We we know their numbers, so we knew that they had them in stock. Right. Um, but I also knew, uh, having just spoken to Tony, that he had told them that if they did run out. That, that we could get them within 24 hours. Sure. Uh, and I had uh, here in California, I had one bookstore in particular tell me, oh, we're out. And I said, oh, that's interesting. You've, you've sold all the copies that, that you were sent. Uh, yep, we're, we're out. I said, oh, great. When when do you, and what happened is they, uh, they had, <clears throat> I had ordered it and they had, the next morning I got an email saying, we're giving you your money back. Uh, you know, we're, we're reversing this order. Huh. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. So I said, 
well, why don't you just keep the money? I said, when are you getting it back in stock? Knowing they don't know who they're talking to, but I said, knowing that they could get it within 24 hours. So I just decided to play play along and see how see how far down this rabbit hole we can go. Yeah. And they said, uh, well, we don't think we're going to have it. You know, pr- this was before December. This was in, in the end of November, beginning of December. And they said, uh, oh, not until the end of January, maybe into February. We're hearing from the publisher. Hmm. And I went, really? That's interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> He's a friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that we're the publisher, but like yeah, I yeah. said, um, <laughs> I said, uh, so well, so well, then how, wh- why don't you uh, just keep the money? And when the book comes in, why don't you just uh, fulfill the order then? Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't do that. Yeah. You don't do what? You don't sell books? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? It wow. just literally made no sense. And finally, because I kept pushing and I kept pushing. And finally, I got transferred to a manager who said, we're not selling that book. I finally got them to admit it. But and again, they didn't know yeah. who, uh, but I just kept pushing. But it's so, fr- it's frightening in terms of how effective and comprehensive the system of blocking something, censoring something is. I had my own experience with this in uh, 2016. I wrote a book with a private military contractor that I kind of heard through the grapevine that certain people didn't want to come out. And it was published by a major publisher. The first day it was for sale, we had 500 negative reviews. Right. I immediately called on it. And I'm like, well, how? It's impossible that these people read the book, right? <laughs> right. How could they have read it that quick? Yeah, exactly. And, and it was also written under a pseudonym because the person I wrote it with was sort of like ex- exposing himself to, to physical danger. And people were just mentioning his real name, even though it, it, it didn't appear in the book, it didn't appear in any of the publicity. I appealed to the publisher and I said, you know, what, what's going on? You know, we got to do something. And they basically were like, uh, yeah, there's nothing we can do. You know, it was shocking. It's a system that, that works kind of in the dark. Uh, we found out through lots of investigation that there was a, you know, there was a website that was uh, sort of uh, disseminating uh, false information and it was connected to like a, a, a computer system that was just like generating like you know these negative reviews but you know to the public that you know they have no way of knowing that right it all sounds very conspiratorial thomas jefferson one of the authors of the declaration of independence once famously mused that he'd rather have newspapers without a country than a country without newspapers. He was living at a time when newspapers and publishers were small and independent. He probably couldn't have imagined a time like ours when most news outlets are tied to massive corporations with clear links to our national security state. The central dilemma for all of us today is how and where do we find unbiased, uncensored information on any of the many issues that affect our lives when so many sources of information are controlled by forces pushing a particular agenda. Our best chance of achieving that is to guarantee a free and independent press which creates a forum for debate and the open exchange of ideas. Today, in every corner of the world, freedom of press is under attack. The reality is when you have corruption at any level that becomes systemic, by definition, it requires conspirators. That's right. So that and being unethical in nature. Yeah, it's that's conspiracy. That's what that's actually called. If you look at the definition in the dictionary of a conspiracy. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's hard for people, I think, to understand, you know, Tony mentioned CCDH, which, you know, yeah, they were they were, you know, sort of largely responsible for the creation of the disinformation dozen. Um, but when we did a deep dive to their funding ties, um, you know, all all roads lead back to our governments and our three letter agencies and all roads lead back to the same handful of individuals and families and uh, money ties. Yeah. You know, NQTEL is widely known to be the funding arm for this, you know, they are in the investment portfolio for uh, certain three-letter agencies. And 
that's that's widely known but you have to know where you're looking mm -hmm. to know what to find there yeah so it's it's hard for people i think to understand and as soon as you lift off the the top layer people people want to tertiary understanding but they don't really want to dig yeah you know no, and it's, it's it's frightening to them it's yeah. frightening mm -hmm. i use the analogy of like if you're if you're a homeowner and you find a you know a termite or a cockroach or whatever and then a few months later you see another one and then start seeing them kind of you know around and then you call the exterminator and they open the door and the entire basement is full of termites yeah it's like uh, okay, that's not <laughs> what I wanted to find, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I, I get it. I get that that's, um, you know, not a, an encouraging, but leaving the problem alone and hoping it's going to go away is also not a viable solution. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of the problem that we're facing right now is that people would rather not look at it because it is so you know, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's alarming and it's discouraging and it's depressing. Yeah, sure. You want to believe that your, you know, medical authorities, they're on our side, like they're protecting us and they're not interfering with our ability to kind of make up our own decision about things. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's, what, what, you know, people have to keep in mind is that this, this book is such an incredible project. I mean, such an incredible achievement. It's, you know, more than 220,000 words. It's got, you know, 2,194 citations, but these are really detailed citations and they're updated so that it, they're, they're QR codes that bring you back to the Children's Health Defense website that, that has updates and, and new studies and all of that sort of stuff. So this is, this is real science. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the complicated, messy science that was vetted by, you know, really hundreds of doctors and lawyers and scientists and researchers who, who worked with Bobby to come up with this landmark book. And then the response is all of this sort of um, attack that has nothing to do with yeah. with books, really. It has nothing yeah. to do with science. Yeah. Um, it, it just has to do with the fact that these captured agencies have no incentive to engage in any of the allegations because uh, like Sophia said, they're funded by the people who they're supposed to regulate. You know, there was a story in the, in, in the uh, New York Times two days ago that said that 75% of the FDA budget comes from the companies that they're supposed to regulate. Huh. So clearly there's just, yeah. this yeah. country has just been infected by yeah. this conflict of interest yes and so that we're being protected or we we think that we're being protected from misinformation but we're really being protected from any ideas that contradict a specific narrative that's geared towards maximizing return on investment for big profitable companies right and there's no discussion right there's no debate so you would think that a book like bobby kennedy's would incite like all kinds of discussion and debate over the specific claims made in the book but I, I, as far as i can tell none of that has happened sure i mean if if dr fauci wanted to contradict any of the claims made in this comprehensive book he was better situated than anybody in the country Absolutely. to do that yeah you know so so if there's a book coming out that malign somebody in some way, you know, often they, they don't have an easy way to respond. Yeah. But I don't think anybody in the world believes that if Dr. Fauci had answers to these allegations, mm -hmm. that he could have just come out and he could have hit Robert F. Kennedy Jr. so hard. He could have gotten onto every single TV show. Yeah. You know, so the, the idea there is that. Well, imagine a primetime debate between the two of them. Sure. I mean, you would have had, you know, probably more viewers than than anything uh anything else everybody was interested in you know trying to figure out what was going on it, it would have been bigger than the biggest boxing match of all time right you know? <laughs> right you know they they could have made it pay-per-view and 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 made a killing on it yeah so bobby asked fauci 
the debate multiple times. I asked all kinds of different platforms to, to try to get him on. Mm-hmm. Fauci would never debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's scared to death yeah. of debating these issues because he knows that he's done a lot of bad things. He knows that that he could have criminal liability, that he could go to jail. There's no way that he's going to ever do that. So people have to recognize that that censorship, that deplatforming, you know, that all of these different methods to make it impossible for the public to have real information, they are just a strategy used by people who are doing bad things, who are trying to hide the truth from the general public. Right. Because if you're not trying to hide the truth, yeah. you can just have dialogue and debate. You, you don't need censorship. Yeah. Why are you calling people names? Why are you deplatforming them? Why are you blocking their books? Why are you calling them conspiracy theories? That's what we're about. It's debate. It's conversation. Um, nobody has all the answers, but uh, you know that's how people arrive at the truth. Well, that's what we've been saying since the beginning, and that's really Bobby Kennedy's message as well, which is it's it's fine for. Um, Tony Fauci to get up and say that he is science and all, but um, I hate to break it to him. Um, You know, science is not a thing and it's not a conclusion. Science is a process. Right. It's constantly changing. Highly conflicting. Right. It's sometimes irreconcilable. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is we call for more science. Yeah. Not We're just going to censor and disallow this side that's seeing something either different from what we are seeing or want people to think that we're seeing, mm-hmm. or in some cases that just conflicts with the narrative that we want to put out there. That yeah. has nothing that nothing could be further from science. That's pouring concrete on confirmation bias is what that is. That's the opposite of science. And, and people need to understand. I think all of us need to understand. And it's a pretty awful thing to realize that you know, we're the, we're the victims, right? It's the public who's the victim. We're the ones who are being blocked from uh, making our own decisions, getting the information, and uh, m- making informed decisions that we think benefit ourselves and our family. Right. And if we don't have the information, you know, we're the ones who suffer. Which is why this, this kind of censorship is so particularly criminal. Yeah. Because we are talking about critical pieces of information that individuals need in order to make a proper cost-benefit analysis when it comes to their health and in some cases their lives you know um the 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 idea that an individual with and this is a this is a personal story but i have a very dear friend who has had thrombocytopenia since he was 17. his medical exemption for this jab was denied yeah so you have to ask the question there's no you know i thought we could apply logic and see where that took us yeah you know no evidently not so when you have these examples along the way um of things that just don't add up and that's what you know the beginning of the interview you know i mentioned the reason i got into this is because of going up against the orthodoxy with my mother and that's that's what really turned me mm-hmm. is that I was, you know, we all sort of understand, oh, yeah, corporations, big, bad wolf. Sure. OK. But when you come up against it and you wait, wait, this doesn't this does this doesn't actually make sense. This isn't rational. This isn't logical. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make sense. This isn't in, this isn't consistent. Yeah. What is going on? And you start asking those questions and all it takes is one thing yeah. for that. All of a sudden the scales start falling from the eyes. Right. And why are you forcing me? Why are right. you forcing other people into one, one option? Well, right. It's nothing is one size fits all. And so when you look at, unless you're, you know, China yeah. <laughs> or Eastern Bloc. Right. Um, but I, but what's interesting is that's, that's what it took for me to realize like that, that's always the watershed moment. Yeah. Where, where it's like something, it just doesn't actually make logical sense. Yeah. And that's what I feel at least now is happening just to give some hope to this. It's not like totally off the cliff, but 
you know, I do feel that people are running up against for their own, whether it's my friend with his medical situation or other yeah. people who have suddenly they've got kids and they're like, well, wait, you're telling me that I can't get, get I'm not required to give consent for my kid to, you know, there everyone runs up against a different wall, but eventually people do run up against it. And it's like that one thing that just doesn't make sense that people go, hold on a second. Yeah. Okay. I got to look further into this because I something's not right here. Well, I think we all have a sense that we live in a country where there's freedom, right? <laughs> we, 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 we grow up with that, right? right? It's an and, illusion though. Well, when you grow up with that, then you come up against forces like this, which are preventing you from getting information and leading you to one conclusion only. Then you start to go, well, wait a minute. This isn't the country that I thought I was living in, right? Yeah, the, and, and I think a lot of people, a lot of Americans are at that point. They are at that point. I I have to say there's a, uh, and this is not my quote, and it's a politician who shall remain nameless, but who told me, um, you only think you have freedom. Mm-hmm. You only think you have freedom because you haven't really tried to step outside that box. Right. Step outside the box and see how many rights you have. That's right. Yeah, I mean, what I what I think we've been perfecting in this country, which is really scary, when you think of the fact that we're a country that prides ourselves on our freedoms, yes, on our freedom of speech. Many people have died to preserve it. Yeah, sure. So we fought so hard to protect our freedoms, to protect our freedom of of speech, and we then point to all these other countries where people had less freedom. But the difference is that in those countries, to a great extent. People know that there's censorship. People know that they don't have freedom. People know that there's a specific narrative and that if you don't follow it, you're gonna get punished for it. But a lot of people, millions of people in this country don't recognize that you can get badly punished for having the wrong ideas. And that there's much less ability in this country to have dialogue and debate than there ever was before. And and there's, there's, there's this incredible kind of double speak, which has crept into the country where, you know, where you can have somebody like Dr. Fauci get on television and talk about the dangers of uncertainty and confusion yeah. and that, that we all need to be steered towards good information so that we can make, and then they throw in words like informed decisions or choices. Yeah. But what they really mean is we're gonna strip away every bit of information that might lead you to some other conclusion Mm -hmm. we're gonna force you into a box where there's no other conclusion you can possibly come to and then we're gonna say but you have entirely you are entirely free to make this decision it's an echo chamber an echo chamber in a bubble right exactly yeah yeah, but they use those kinds of words like informed decision yeah but misinformation is anything that that contradicts what they believe so the only thing you're allowed to believe and the only choice you're allowed to make is the choice that they're telling you to make but they just they use the words in this incredibly scary way yeah orwellian way yeah it is scary it's the embodiment of 1984. it is scary and also our president got up recently uh this is within the last three weeks or so got up and said, uh, if you are, if you disagree with the majority, wow, you are extremist. Yeah. And that is dangerous. We saw this in Eastern Bloc. We saw this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Jeff did this. Um, you know, wh- think Hitler said the same thing. Yeah. Stalin, Hitler, all the sure. tyrants of history. We there during the Cold War. This is how they put people into the psycho- psychological, you know, facilities. Um, because of, you know, b- just being an extremist, w- yeah. the thought police. Right. And so for our president to put out this kind of, oh, that's totally irresponsible. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really terrifying because yeah. not only are you not allowed to come to that conclusion, but if you do, you're dangerous. They use the word violent. Now it's just coming up more and more. Yeah. That, uh, I heard that the other day too. They're sort of like. Political violence doesn't mean that you're going to break something or hurt somebody. Yeah, no, silence is violence. Is that you disagree. Yeah. 
it's so it's interesting um to the the spin that you know another word for people is constituents always and because of the you know p elections and pending everything it's like right now i'm i'm seeing such blatant spin on every issue it's like we're just gonna take this and exploit it to the nth degree uh because it's gonna garner support for whatever it is and it's so blatant and it's so obvious and i it's um, uh, amazing to me how every time it's like pavlov every time the you know people jump into the conversation about mr straw man and it's like no that's not the point <laughs> that's you're being manipulated and you don't actually even see how much you're being manipulated that's the great art of late capitalism in america that that people in in other countries recognize what's happening oh today. yeah they're not confused at they, all about what's happening they, in this country and right they now. and they fight against it yeah maybe. but people here have this incredible sense of their freedom and of and of their own power even though they have so little you know so people there actually have a lot more power than they think they do especially in their daily lives because things are so disorganized but here What's really scary is the incredible organization. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's such a reverse psyop. You know what I mean? That's that's what I find to be the scariest about this entire period, is how well organized it's been. Yeah. That the, that the censorship has just been so well organized on so many different it's levels. It's so coordinated. So many different people. It's exactly the kind of thing that historically people would have said, like with the JFK assassination, they would say, well, there can't be a conspiracy because it would have needed to involve too many people. Right, right. But what we're really seeing here, you know, especially with this Surgeon yeah. General yeah. Uh, pamphlet, yeah. is that it did involve lots and lots of people, thousands of people. All of the major court cases that have dealt with freedom of speech they, they all talk about two things. One is that, of course, you don't need protection for mainstream speech yeah. or con consensus speech. Right. What you need pr protection for is from speech that people hate, yeah. speech that, that scares people, that they feel is, is, is wrong in some way. And the proper way to, to fight that, and, and some of the time there really is speech that needs to be fought. But the proper way to fight it is by more free speech. Yes. Not by circumscribing it, but by allowing everybody to, to participate. And then the general public can really make informed decisions because they've been informed of all the counter arguments. Right. And the idea now, like you were saying, is humiliating to citizens in a democracy where they're treated like they're idiots, like they're they're incapable of seeing some of this dangerous information. Yeah, managing their own lives, making decisions that affect their own bodies, their own health. You know, that's our responsibility, ultimately. It's not the government's, it's not some agency, it's not a spokesman for the government. You know, that's up to us. Not CNN. Yeah. It's amazing how, you know, and we came across this too, um, a lot of the information in, in the book is uh, information that comes from everything from Nobel Prize winning scientists to, you know, people who are experts in their field. Um, Jonathan Fishbein was the head of uh, the AIDS department at, at NIH um, and and with NIAID uh, when, when everything was happening during the AIDS crisis. And, um, you know, these are Celia Farber, um, you know, Celia Farber and Chuck Ortlove, there's, there's no one who knows more <laughs> about that particular time in history and all the components, and it is a tangled web. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so these individuals would come forward, someone like Luke Montagnier would come forward and say, here's, here's the, si I, I, I want a Nobel Prize for my work in this. Yeah. Here is what I my dissection of my study and my peer review and everything else here is what my conclusion is and the media would just flat out say nope this person doesn't know what they're talking about and cnn would tell you how to interpret yeah. that data yeah. and then people would go 
oh, okay, I believe CNN over a Nobel Prize winning scientist. Are you kidding? It's deliri- It's these aren't the droids you're looking for. Yeah. It's effective. You know, it's this effective way of putting context. Again, it's context creating. Yeah. But it's like you put all these dots in a in a in a frame, and then you go, okay, guys, go find the dots. Yeah. You know, it's like, of course, what other what other conclusion? Yeah. You know, it's it's a, but it's not first principles. It's reverse engineering of an a priori conclusion, mm-hmm. which is almost always, as Carl Sagan said, fatal. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they're very good at it. People have to understand that too. They're extremely good at it. And that's that's the other thing that's that's difficult. You know, you know who's not confused about what's happening in this country? <laughs> anyone from Eastern Bloc, yeah, anyone from any South American country, anyone from China, Absolutely. anyone from a country that has experienced this, that understands the the depth of you know what you what what you are allowed not only to find but what you are allowed to see so yeah if you're so convicted because there's a there's a manufactured consensus happening being thrust on you mm-hmm. you probably are missing a bunch of information cuz nothing is only ever one thing right. nothing is black and white well i think that's you tony you pointed this out before you know, people in other countries, and you know, I grew up overseas, but people in other countries, they understand that the government isn't telling them the truth, that they're not going to get the truth through their media or their newspapers, that all that information is controlled. Definitely. I mean, what's fascinating is that this is banned books week in yeah. America. Yeah. So you will not find any mention of Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, Real Anthony Fauci, in any discussion of banned books. Yeah. But there hasn't been any book in the country in the last 12 months that was banned and censored in more ways. Yeah. And, you know, so so there is that confusion that people have, that, that they have this freedom, you know, that they can do whatever they want, even though, like you said, they're being led by the nose, but they believe that they have incredible freedom so much more freedom than they actually do yeah and you know some people are starting to get the sense that they're being forced that they're being told what to read what to think what to do what to put in their bodies you know all of the big decisions in their lives but you know it's taken this kind of crisis to wake up you know not just a couple of million people but a lot of people i mean tens of millions And the thing is, when you wake people up and you wake up the American people, as uh, Germany found out during World War II, like, watch out, because uh, they're not going to be happy when they find out what's been going on. Hey, there was one point that I I wanted to make with uh, Dr. Fauci. So Dr. Fauci has told people who who work for him, and he's been quoted in, in various places, as saying that his favorite book and movie are The Godfather. And that, you know, his favorite line in the book is, it's not personal, it's just business. Right. So I think that that's kind of how he's run public health in America over all of this period. So, you know, what we see is that the greatest danger is to have sort of like a government acting like the mafia. Yeah, no. And not only that, but when you have an individual like Tony Fauci, who basically believed himself like the Mafia Don to be, um, you know, not touchable, um, to be not expendable, um, Bobby Kennedy made Tony Fauci expendable. And now we're, I mean, (laughs) in keeping with the analogy, well, we can nail him for tax evasion. I don't care. Right. But the reality is, ultimately, we can get rid of this individual and we can get rid of all of these individuals who are corrupt. And we should. Well, when the truth comes out, which it will, there's going to be a lot of pissed off people. Yeah. But the reality is, what are you going to do then? Because we can get rid of all these individuals and it is cutting off the head of the Hydra. We are looking at a corrupt system that is set up to be to make to have these choices made. So there's always going to be an individual with moral elasticity, who's willing to come in and exploit a system 
that is corrupt and designed to be exploited by these individuals. So the answer isn't to just remove the individuals. As Americans, we need to we need to say, okay, we got to put our boots on right. and say, now we need to dismantle this corrupt system because we're not going to change a corrupt system by removing a corrupt individual in it. No. So, you know, this is the book that sort of made Bobby Kennedy a folk hero and sort of got people, you know, in huge numbers to question Dr. Fauci's narrative. But this, I think, is, is the book that lands Dr. Fauci in prison. Tony, could you repeat that story about the, uh, the banned book festival? Because I thought that's a great way to wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. Just that, uh, you know, this is banned books week. Uh, just to tell you an, a little story that fits in with it. We sent somebody to a censorship conference, uh, you know, that was kind of run by the same kinds of people who, who run banned books week. And they, they were thrilled to have him. He was going to bring lots of books. Then he told them what the books were. And Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book was, was one of them. And they, they got really upset and said, no, 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 this isn't the kind of censorship that we're just, you know, that, that we're all about. You know, that's about protecting the American public from these dangerous ideas. We, we're, we're all for that. So, um, you know, so, so that's what, what you get here is that there's just this in, insanity yeah. where, you know, the First Amendment is not supposed to protect anything that we disagree with. Right. It's only supposed to protect our truth, our narrative, right, and our rule. And that's not this country. I mean, that's not a democracy. That's a fascist country. So this is banned books week. And there are hundreds and hundreds of important theoretical books written by impressive people, really well-researched, that are being banned on every level yeah. possible in this country. Yeah. And the banned books people don't care about that kind of work, about that kind of book ban. You know, you, you can destroy any book that they disagree with. Yeah. They only want to protect the things that they believe. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Hugo Black in New York Times Company versus the United States in 1971 wrote, and I quote, the press was to serve the governed, not the governors. Without question, the rise of the corporate national security state and the proliferation of new surveillance technologies have created massive challenges to media freedom. Whether you agree with writers like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or not, it's important that we protect their right and ability to express their ideas on the most difficult and controversial subjects of our time. Freedom of press and the free exchange of ideas is the cornerstone of democracy. It should always be up to us, the people, to choose what we believe. In order to make informed decisions, we need more access to information, not less, and especially information and research that comes from honest, independent sources not those controlled by large corporate and government-controlled institutions. I thank Tony Lyon and Sophia Karstens for being with us today to talk about this critical issue and for the important work that they're doing. They're today's Heroes Behind the Headlines. Heroes Behind Headlines. Executive producer Ralph Pizzullo. Produced and engineered by Mike Dawson. Orchestra and score provided by Extreme Music. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Heroes Behind Headlines.